Good morning. This is Pastor Mike Letterman with Christ-Lives.org. Today is June the 4th, 2023. We're continuing our sermon in the series called The Final Countdown. The Final Countdown. The topic of this sermon is called A World at War. A World at War. Last Sunday we studied from Revelation chapter 9. We're going to continue that study this morning. You know, the images depicted in chapter 9 make it one of the most disturbing sets of passages in the entire Bible. In verses 1 through 12, we studied a description of a swarm of demons. These demons came to the earth to torment all those who refused to bow to God. They tormented men for five long months and brought terrible suffering to the unsaved. The only grace in those verses is the fact that those who know the Lord Jesus as their Savior will be spared from that attack. It's also a blessing to know that those who are saved today will miss that terrible time because they are safe at home in heaven with the Lord Jesus. But as we continue to look at the events of chapter 9, we come to the sixth trumpet judgment. The sixth trumpet judgment. When that trumpet sounds, a voice is heard to speak from between the horns of the golden altar. The mention of this altar reminds us of the golden altar of incense, it was in the tabernacle and the temple. The golden altar was where incense was burned as an offering to God. It was the place of prayer, the place of intercession. It was a place of mercy where prayers could be offered to the Lord. See, in these verses, the place of mercy has become a place of judgment. When people reject the grace, mercy, and love of God, they are left with nothing but his wrath and judgment. That is what we're going to see in these verses. The world has rejected grace, and they are given judgment. Let's take some time today to look at the events of the latter chapter of Revelation 9. We're given here a picture of the world at war. Allow me to read from the Word of God and share some facts concerning that period of time. Starting with verse 13. The sixth angel sounded his trumpet, and I heard a voice coming from the four horns of the golden altar that is before God. It said to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. And the four angels who have been kept ready for this very hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. The number of the mounted troops was twice 10,000 times 10,000. I heard their number. The horses and riders I saw in my vision looked like this. Their breastplates were fiery red dark blue, and yellow as sulfur. The heads of the horses resembled the heads of lions, and out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and sulfur. A third of mankind was killed by the three plagues of fire, smoke, and sulfur that came out of their mouths. The power of the horses was in their mouths and in their tails, for their tails were like snakes, having heads with which they inflicted injury. The rest of mankind, who were not killed by these plagues, still did not repent of the work of their hands. They did not stop worshiping demons and idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood, idols that cannot see or hear or walk. Nor did they repent of their murders, their magic arts, their sexual immorality, or their thefts. This is a time of demonic activity. The voice from the altar commands the release of four fallen angels that have been kept chained in Euphrates River. We don't know why these angels were chained to begin with. We do not know how long they've been chained. 
But we do know that when they are let loose on the world, terrible death and destruction follows with them. We're not given much information about these angels, but there are a few truths mentioned here that need to be addressed. First of all, a place is mentioned. We are told they are bound in the river Euphrates. This river is one of the most prominent in the Word of God. It was here that God planted the Garden of Eden. Genesis 2 verse 14. It was here that God made mankind. The Euphrates River has been the scene of many of the first of humanity, the first sin, the first apostasy, the first murder, and first rebellion against the Word of God all occurred here. The ancient city of Babylon sprang to life along the banks of this river. Babylon was the birthplace of false religion, of demon worship, and of idolatry. Many of the false religions practiced in our world today can trace their origins all the way back to Babylon. This area was, in, was the home of Nimrod, Genesis chapter 10, verses 8 through 10. He was the father of many vile, ungodly worship practices. Some of this still exists today. It was here, along the banks of this great river, that all the great cultural, religious, and political systems of the world came to life. The river was said to be at the eastern boundary of the land promised to Abraham. Look at Genesis chapter 15, verse 18. It said this river that forms the dividing line between the Middle East and the Far East. The attention of the world is focused on this area today, and this area continues to be the focus of the world's attention until Jesus comes in glory. And remember, the great river Euphrates is, dying up, is drying up. It is dying. A plan is mentioned here. These angels have been kept bound until a specific period of time. God is going to use them for his own purposes as he judge the earth. The words were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year tells us that God has a plan. God has a plan. As we read this book, it may appear that things are beginning to spin out of control. But the opposite is true. God is in control, and he is working out his will according to a highly detailed, specific timetable. He knows what he's doing, and he can be trusted to do it right. Genesis 18, 25. I want you to know, by the way, that he knows what he's doing in your life as well. It may not always seem like it, but God has a plan. It's a good plan. It's the best plan, and he will bring his perfect will to pass in his time. A purpose is mentioned here. The verse is very graphic. It tells us that these demonic spirits are released for the sole purpose of destroying one-third of the human race. Consider this. Revelation chapter 6 verse 8 says that 25% of the earth's population is killed there. Revelation 8.11 says that many die from drinking poisoned waters. If the population of the earth is about 6 million when the tribulation begins, it will have been cut in half by the time the sixth trumpet judgment is carried out and another one-third of humanity is slaughtered. Imagine in the space of a few short years, 50%, that's one out of every two people living on the earth, are dead and gone. In the United States, it would be equivalent of about 150 million people dead in a very short period of time. 
Yes, according to Revelation 9, verses 5 through 6, the dead will take a five-month holiday, but it will come back with a vengeance, and billions will die at the hand of these four fallen angels. You know, people read this, and they look at it with doubt. They make fun of the notion of fallen angels bound in a river, released on the earth, bringing with them untold death and suffering. Men may deny the truth of these verses, but that does not diminish their reality. Some people have really, really good denial skills. Angels have power, and fallen angels have power as well. They have the power that God has given them to do to carry out these actions. Daniel found this out when he prayed to the Lord, and the answer to his prayer was delayed three weeks by demonic activity. Daniel chapter 10, verses 12 and 13. You know, we can't see it, but there's a struggle going on around us right now. Angels and demons are at war all around us. One day, the reality of that spiritual battle will be made real to humanity. Four demons will be released on this earth, and one-third of the remaining human population will die. This is a time of destructive activity. These four demons will be released with the mission of killing one-third of humanity. They will use their power to energize a vast human army. They will use this demonically inspired force to accomplish their mission. Let's talk about this army. Let's look at the size of the army. We are told this army will number 200,000. A little basic math reveals that we're talking about an army at a minimum of 200 million men. 200 million men. We're talking about an army of immense proportions. Someone has calculated that an army that large could line up in formation one mile wide and 87 miles long. One mile wide and 87 miles long. Just a few generations ago, an army of that size was almost incomprehensible. Today, it's not just a possibility, it's a stark reality. Communist China has had the ability since 1964 to raise a fighting force of over 200 million men. In the year 2000, China had 363,050,980 available men between the ages of 15 and 49. Of that number, some 199,178,361 men were fit for military service. Each year, another 10,839,000 men reach fighting age in China. I share these figures to teach us that the Bible is accurate. Even though men want to make light of its prophecies, such an army is possible in our day. Let's look at the symbolism of this army. As we read this description of this vast army, one of the questions that arises is whether this army is human or demonic. I believe that we're looking at a human army that is demonically controlled and energized. They're men, but they're men who march under the banner of hell. There are humans, but there are humans under the control and direction of Satan and his demons. Let's look at what John tells us about this army. You know, something that strikes me is the language used to describe these soldiers. It, it's the language of symbolism, and it is, first of all, language that is descriptive of hell. 
The men have breastplates of fire, jacinth, brimstone, or sulfur. These are the colors, red, blue, and yellow. These are all the colors of fire. These are colors associated with the torments of hell itself. Their horses breathe fire, smoke, and brimstone. Again, these bring to mind images of hell and its torments. Hell will be a place of smoke, of fire, and of brimstone. These soldiers come with the colors of hell, the smell of hell, the weapons of hell, and the energy of hell. It is a picture of an army controlled by hell. People always want to know what we Christians believe about hell. Do we believe that hell is real or just a symbol? I hope I made it plain in this series that people better hope and better know that it's real. A symbol is always a weak attempt to describe something that is very real. If the language in the Bible regarding hell is symbolic, then hell is far worse than anything we have ever heard or read. There's also language that's used to describe things that are indescribable. See, John is trying to use first century language to describe a 21st century army. As we look at the descriptions John gives us of these men, their horses, and their methods of killing, it seems to me that he's trying to describe a scene for which he did not have the right vocabulary. Just some examples. Possibly. They had faces like lions. This may indicate that their horses, or whatever vehicles they ride, are fierce-looking. It says, men are killed by the smoke, fire, and brimstone, the issue from the mouths of these beasts. Could this be a description of tanks, rockets, machine guns, RPGs? I don't know. These beasts are said to have power in their heads and their tails to kill and do damage. To me, this brings the mind of image of helicopters, missiles, warheads, jets, bombers, etc. You know, imagine a man that from the 1800s that's plucked out of his time period and placed in our day. Now imagine that same man being taken back to his time period. Now imagine him trying to describe what he saw in our day to people in his day using the vocabulary he possessed. It would be foolish to be too dogmatic and say that these verses can only describe a modern army and its equipment. We must, however, consider that as a possibility. Regardless of how you interpret these words, one thing is clear. It will be a terrible time of destruction, death, and demonic activity. I praise the Lord for the fact I will not be here when these events come to pass. We see in verses 20 through 21 it's a time of depraved activity. We are told very clearly that these demons unleash a vast army upon the earth. One-third of all the people living on the earth will be killed. You would think that death and destruction on that scale would cause mankind to look within his heart, acknowledge his sins, and turn in repentance toward God. Those who survive the carnage continue on in the sins, refusing to repent. These verses are a clear x-ray of the condition of the human heart. We can long to find good in man if we wish, but man is totally depraved. He's a hopeless sinner. Apart from the atoning work of the Lord Jesus Christ, there's not good in men at all. Every human carries within his heart the seeds of evil, and he or she is capable of committing any sin that can be imagined. 
lest we think better of ourselves than we should. The same capacity to plumb the depths of evil dwells in our hearts as well. Verse 20, man is depraved in his worship. Given all the sin and chaos during the tribulation, one might think it would be a time of empty of religious activity. As we will learn from this verse and from future studies, the tribulation will be a time marked by intense religious activity. But as you know, no religion can save. It takes faith in the shed blood of Jesus to accomplish that. Man is by nature a religious creature. Regardless of where you go in this world, you will find people engaged in worship. From the darkest jungles of Africa, South America, and Central America, where I was, to the highest mountains in Asia, to the great cities of Europe and America, you will find people engaged in worship. Every culture, whether it is primitive or advanced, has some involvement with worship. Even the atheist worships. He merely directs his worship toward himself. This verse tells us that religion in the tribulation period will be marked by the worship of demons and by the worship of material things. Men will be caught up in the worship of the occult. There's an increase in our day in the interest of the occult. Movies, music, and other popular media provide an opportunity for many to learn, to learn more about the devil, demons, and Satanism. Witchcraft is becoming more popular than ever and the numbers of practicing witches is increasing at an astonishing rate. All this is leading toward the day when mankind will worship demons. You see, involvement with the occult begins with entertainment. People learn about it and begin to dabble in it. Then it moves into the arena of enlightenment. People then begin to seek answers and help for their problems in the world of the occult. And then moves into the area of enslavement. People get trapped in a system and are unable to get free. America and the rest of the world is headed in that direction today. If you re reject God and his son Jesus, then you have nothing left but Satan. Men will also give his worship to the gods of his own creation. He will worship idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and wood, which neither can see, nor hear, nor walk. This may either mean that man will make gods that he will bow down to and worship, or it could mean he will give his worship to the material possessions of life. Man will worship his money, his car, his home, and his possessions. Even though he will give his love, his adoration, and his worship to these things, they're not gods at all. They cannot see him, hear him, or move to help him. His worship of these things will not benefit him at all. You know, God said, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. I had someone ask me about that one time. Well, what, what, what's another god that I'm putting before God? Is it your money? Is it your car? Is it your lifestyle? Is it your home? Is the home that you have not big enough? You have to have a larger one, and then a larger one, and then another new car, and another new truck? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with owning these things. I'm just saying anything that you put between yourself and Almighty God is another God, and it is an idol. 
you know, there's another thought here that should not be missed. You know, each person should take a look at the God he or she worships. Again, look at that person or thing that has your love, your adoration, and your worship. Can you hear God? Can your God hear you when you pray? Can your God hear you when you pray? Can your God see you when you have a need? Can your God move to do something about your problem? Can the money in your bank account make you well? You know, if you can, if you can't answer these problems, the, the answers to these problems, and and get a clear answer that it's God that you need to look for instead of what's in your own personal possession, you need a wake up call. Many are worshiping gods just like those of ancient Israel. Verse twenty one. Man is depraved in his works. You know, it seems there will be a significant increase in wickedness in that day. John uses four words to describe the moral condition of the sinners living during the tribulation. Let's look at those four words briefly. Murders. It is hard to imagine a civilization becoming more murderous than our own. Hardly a day goes by without us hearing about several murders here in America. Large towns and small churches, malls, no place is immune from the blight of murder. People kill others out of hatred or lust every day. People yearn for gun control, and yet it's not the guns that kill people. It's the families that have put their children in the, in the, the hands of school systems and the public to raise them. Parents no longer are parents. People kill others out of hatred or lust every single day day. There are hitmen who will kill someone they don't even know if the money's right. They don't kill for hate, they kill for profit. Then there are serial killers, people who roam the country killing total strangers for their own perverted reasons. They kill for thrills. Why are things this way? We've taught a generation that man descended from apes. We have taught a generation there is no God to be accountable. We have taught a generation that every person has the ability to determine what is right and wrong for himself. Our children are raised up on a steady diet of godless humanism and they have no thought for the rights and property of others. Just look at how rude and violent people have become. This verse teaches us that the tribulation will be marked by murders. Apparently, the violence of mankind will increase after the removal of the church. Sorceries. There are two possible interpretations for the word from which we get the word sorcery that's used in this verse. We've already seen the tribulation will see a marked increase in satanic worship. There will also be a rise in drug abuse. You know, we're seeing this take right place right now take place before our eyes. The marijuana of the 60s and 70s have been, has been replaced with crack and meth of this generation. Hardly a week passes without our hearing of a drug bust or a drug-related arrest. Our world, world is seeking an escape hatch from its problems through the use of mind-altering drugs. This trend will increase as we move through the last days. It will reach pandemic proportions during the tribulation. It is even possible that the government could resort to drugs to control an increasingly violent population.
Then there's fornication. This is translated from the Greek word pornea. It gives us our modern word pornography. It is a word that is used in that day to refer to every kind of illicit sexual sin. It covers every type of sexual activity that man can be engaged in. Our country is already seeing the free love movement and the love ends of the hippies. We've been through the sexual revolution. We witness the day when things that were not even discussed in public are common on our television screens as a Coca-Cola commercial. Cable, satellite, and internet pipe endless streams of pornographic fare into our homes. And network television is just as bad. Children who are allowed to watch television without adult supervision already know more about sex by the time they're seven than most of us knew when we got married. Our society is saturated by sex. Man has taken a beautiful gift from God and perverted it. I'm going to say this again. I know that I'm old-fashioned. I'm trying to be biblical. God designed sex to be exercised within the framework of the marriage relationship. Any sexual expression that takes place outside a marriage relationship involving one man and one woman is a sin and will be judged by God. Sexual perversion will increase as we move into the last days. Other parts of the world are confronted with even more perversions than we have here. It will increase as the days go by. Thefts. The personal rights and property of others will have no meaning at all. We're already seeing this trend in our society as a segment of our population believes that it's their right to take what they want, when they want it, from whoever they can get it from. This attitude will become increasingly evident in the last days and will reach terrible proportions during the tribulation as food, water, medicine, clothing, and shelter become increasingly scarce, men will take what they want. You know, the Bible paints a very bleak picture of the events of the tribulation period. There will be death and violence on an unprecedented level throughout the world. Yet, in the midst of all of it, men will continue to harden their hearts to the gospel of Christ and will continue their headlong plunge into the fires of hell. That's why we should do everything in our power to reach them with the gospel. No sacrifice is too great, no distance too vast, no expense too steep, and effort is wasted in the work of reaching men for Jesus. As I close this message, let me leave you with this invitation. First, if you've never been saved, this could be your future. Come to Jesus and be saved. Then you can miss the tribulation and make heaven your home. Second, if you are saved, but you haven't been living it like you should, this is the day to get things settled between you and the Lord. Third, if you would like to do more and be used more to reach men for Him, He is looking for laborers and for His harvest. Come and sign up today. If you know people who will be left here and you want to come and pray for them, please do so after the service. Whatever needs you have, bring it before God Almighty and it will be. You know, if anyone made a decision today, I would really like to know about it. I say this at the end of every lesson. 
Sometimes I have responses, other times I don't. But I really would like to know about it. If, you have, if you're able, send an email to ministry at christ-lives.org or visit our website www.christ-lives.org and click on our contact page. You don't have to leave me your name unless you want to or your phone number if you want me to call you. I'll be happy to do that. If you want us to pray for you, make a note in the body of your message. I'll be happy to add you to my growing, growing list of prayers that I have in this leather book right beside this monitor right now. Whatever the need is, please let us be a part of your life. As I end this service, I would like to say my prayer is that you did make a decision today. And may God bless you and may he keep you and your families. This is where I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.